0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it. And I was here, uh, actually, I think I was here for Josh's first uh, Sunday, and uh, they... I was kind of praying that he might learn how to play the guitar the right way, not the left-handed way. Kind of weird stuff, you know. But hey, it's so good to be here. You know, I, I this is the third time that I've had a chance to preach here, and every time I have a chance to preach here, Ryan is gone, so he doesn't know how I really blow it each time. So, you know, here I go again. But I am really, really thrilled to be here. But you know, just a couple of prelims here. First of all, my wife is here, Janet, and uh, we are coming up on 46 years together. Isn't that awesome. I'm married way out of my league, and uh, so I'm just so thankful for her. Second thing I wanted to say is, you know, there's a routine that we all have at church. You know, we go through our thing, and, and, and there's a routine in terms of the schedule, in terms of the program, all that kind of thing. And here's the deal. What sometimes happens is we just kind of get lax. I want to just uh, encourage you, before I even start the message here, to every time we come together, every time we come together, we basically think to ourselves, "Okay, God, what is it today that you have for me?" I mean, this is no, you know, uh, this is special, and every time the church gathers together, it is special, and so I want to re-encourage you to to look forward to that one thing that God has for you. You know, Ryan may, you know, give five points, and I may give three points, and all those kind of things, and, and Josh may be doing all sorts of different music things. But one thing you're going to take away from this today, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's already happened with the music, and that's it. Or maybe uh, taking communion, that was it for you. Sometimes we think, oh man, I've got to remember all this stuff. No, one thing today. And as we finish up 1 Peter today, what a privilege I think it's really important that we really look at what was going on then, and what can we do to going forward for this. Jesus Christ, I believe, is the most significant life that ever lived or ever will live on Earth. Amazing things, and Peter walked with Jesus. And so, what we have in First Peter is literally Peter's uh, looking at Jesus' example for three to three and a half years, and then pouring it out here in this letter we call First Peter. Now, let me just ask you because we're coming to chapter five, and chapter five deals with issues of organizational leadership, things like that. But can I ask you, what is it that makes a healthy organization? What makes a healthy organization? What makes a healthy business? What makes a healthy marriage? It's leadership. Strong, strong leadership. In fact, I wrote this down. Sheryl Sandberg, who happens to be the the chief operating officer of Facebook, she said this. She said, leadership is about making others better as a result of your presence. So that's one take on leadership. Now, I personally like the quote from A Bug's Life, which says the first rule of leadership is that everything is your fault. So there's two extremes here on leadership. It's either all your fault or you're the one that's really making the difference in here. But I'll tell you, the very thing that makes a strong marriage, the very thing that makes a strong, healthy business, is the very thing that makes a strong, healthy church as well. And Peter really outlines this for us. It's strong leadership. As a matter of fact, I believe that most churches rise and fall directly related to the quality of leadership within the church. It's just the way it is. It's the way God put things together. So remember, As we look at overcome, we've been overcoming trials, temptations, difficulty. As a matter of fact, in in chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I, I love that passage. It is a reminder that you and I, this church, your business, your marriage, will come under fiery trials. As a matter of fact, I am convinced that the test of cohesiveness, the test of strength, is usually wrapped up in a trial. To learn how to survive, you need to have strong leadership. So Peter begins this fifth chapter, so to speak, with that kind of backdrop of trials and difficulties. And so he begins, we'll read it in a second, with the word so, or the word therefore, which means something like this. In light of the trials that you and I are going through, in light of the difficulties that your marriage, your business, your church will face from time to time, in light of all of that, he's going to share a prescription for health for you and me. I love that. He's going to focus a little on leadership here. So if you've got your Bible, you can follow up here on the screen as well. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and look at the first few verses. This is Peter writing to you and I as he writes to those that are going through some difficult times. He says, so, or in some versions it says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ You will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Listen to this. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares You. I'm going to stop right there. You know, I've always wanted to do something significant in my life, even as a kid. I've always wanted to to do something that made a difference. And what I found as I became a Christian and a follower of Jesus, I found that the more I leaned into leadership, the more of a significant role I could take and do. Peter is at the end of the book here, and these few short verses kind of distilled what he's been talking about in the first four chapters. And he says, this is how you're going to improve your leadership. This is how you're going to make a significant difference in the world. And he starts talking about offices in the leadership of the church. Now, there were three words that are used throughout the New Testament for those who are leaders in the church. One of those words is the word Elder. Uh, the word elder is really, it's a, it's a Greek word, presbyteros. And the reason I say it is because it kind of sounds like Presbyterian. It, you know, it, it sounds like it. Uh, presbyteros, it, it means elder, but it also focuses on the character qualities of a leader. But that's not the word that's used here. There's another word. It's the word overseer or bishop, and that's found elsewhere in the scripture. And by the way, they're used interchangeably. That word is the Greek word episkopos. And episkopos also sounds kind of familiar. You're like an Episcopalian or something, right? That word basically focuses on the duties, the the oversight duties of an elder or of a leader looking over the church. But here's the deal. What's used here by Peter is a different word. It's that word poimon, okay? You're not going to remember any of these things. But it's often it's often translated pastor. It's often translated shepherd. And that's the word that's used here. And this is so cool because he uses this word in connection with a metaphor, a beautiful metaphor of all of us. He says, All of us are God's flock. And he says to the leader, Shepherd God's flock. And this word is so cool because that word has to do with caring for. That word has to do with serving. That word has to do with protecting, just like a shepherd would protect a flock of sheep. I mean, it's powerful stuff here. And I believe that Peter learned this by watching Jesus. I mean, Jesus is a leader's leader. Jesus is is the leader, the person to learn from and to be an example of. And I think it's kind of interesting that Jesus in John chapter 17, by the way, if I've ever get, you know, you know, stuck on a desert island and I could only take a couple of chapters with me out of the Bible, John 15, 16, 17, far and away. So cool because in 17, Jesus just lays it out. He's, he's hours away from the cross, Right? And he kind of lays it out. And he says to this, I have finished the work that you gave me to do, Father. And and then just in hours, he's on the cross. And the last thing he says on the cross is, it's done. It's finished. It's completed. I've done everything, Father, that you wanted me to do. I don't know how you feel, but wouldn't that be a great thing at the end of our life? I finished it. Everything that was set before me to do, I did it. And as Peter lays out what leadership is and how to be an effective leader, I think he lays out a prescription for us. So if you're going to take notes, here are the three things that I want you to really remember. If you indeed want to lead like Jesus, okay, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your home, your family, your school, wherever it is, if you want to learn to lead like Jesus, number one, start serving, it almost sounds counterintuitive, counter, uh, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not a leader. I'm not going to serve. No, Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 23, verse 11, he said, to be the greatest, you got to be a servant. This is absolutely counterintuitive to a day that we're living in right here. It's so simple. It's clear. It's to the point. If I'm going to be a leader, a significant leader among the people that I hang out with and rub shoulders with, then I've got to serve. I've got to serve. The best and greatest impact that any person can have in this life is by serving them. Jesus said it's the greatest way to make a difference. It is the greatest way is by serving. And by the way, this fits into every situation that you find yourself in. Moms and dads, if you want to be a better and greater mom and dad, be a servant to your family. Bosses, managers, if you want to have a more productive, more effective company and so on, be a servant to those that you're leading. Young adults, you know, if you're looking forward to life and you're saying, I really want to make a huge quantum difference in this world, start serving. Roll up your sleeves. And if you want to be a great Christian, you want to be a great follower of Jesus Christ, then follow Jesus by being a servant. In the first part of 1 Peter, he talks about some of the people who are servants in the church and, and so on. And so let me just say, if serving is one of the components for for being a leader, then write these things down. Number one, number one, choose desire over duty. Choose desire over duty. I think you'll find it in your notes there anyway. Peter wrote to these leaders, these shepherds, these, these elders... He said, serve, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Okay, lean in here for a second. Duty never impacts anybody. It, 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 just, it just doesn't. But willingness does. I want you to think about it. You want to have a significant impact on people. You want to change then your vocabulary of shoulds or ought tos to want to. This is huge. There are four words I believe that will never change the world. Four words. If I have to. If I have to. And if you're a parent, you understand this. Do I have to? you? You understand this. But the bottom line is, we're doing the same thing as adults. Do I have to? Could you imagine Columbus going to the queen? I'd like you to go across the ocean. I would like you to to find a new route to China. I would like you to discover a new country. Well, I'll do it if I have to. Neil Armstrong, he's getting ready to step out on the moon. Yeah, I'll go if I have to. Could you imagine David and Goliath and David before, you know, stepping out on the plane? Just simply, say, well, I'll fight him if I have to. Nothing significant in this world happens because you have to. I am convinced that servant leadership is the key to making a huge, huge difference i'm not doing it because i have to i'm doing it because i want to you know there's a time in fact uh, i uh, janet and i've gone to india a bunch of times i've been there i think five times to india and even though they say there's not a class system or a caste system anymore there still is there still is and, and there's this one gal that every day she did the floors where we we're staying at this place she did it on her hands and knees with a rag didn't do it with a mop or anything like that. Every day she did floors much, much larger than this whole area right here every day. And that's what her whole thing was. We were there for a couple of weeks and then she would do that. It was expected of her. But there was no joy in this lady's life at all. She just had to do it. There are people in our world right now and, and that, that just have to be leaders. At least they, they have to serve people. And just think about this. A husband, kids, boss, if you're not serving out of love, but out of have to, it'll get old after a while. In fact, I believe that the world is never really ultimately changed by somebody who's just doing their duty. And I think some of you in this room maybe feel trapped, and you feel trapped by the have tos in your life. Maybe you're a single parent. Everything in your life feels like duty, responsibility. There's not enough time for you and so on. Or maybe the pressures of keeping your marriage together because your marriage is is in deep weeds right now. And you just feel like it's a responsibility more than anything else. And it wears you down. Let me give you a different perspective. A different option. Instead of have to, write down the word willing to. Willing to. In fact, if you look in the scriptures where it talks about a willingness or willing, you could actually change that word or put above it the word energy because what I have found is when you lean into serving others, it impacts you personally and you become more energetic. Instead of looking at things as a duty, it becomes something that I can hardly wait to do this. Energy in your life comes from what you want to do, not what you Have to do. How do I change that? Can I suggest something? If you're really struggling in this area, pray. Oh, I know. You just seem like that's a thing that a pastor will say, but it's true. Pray. Pray, oh God, I'm willing to be made willing. Isn't that cool? I'm willing to be made willing, because right now I'm living in the have-tos and I don't want it. Let me give you a second idea, a little bit of when you serve. Also choose giving over getting. Verse 2, the second part of verse 2 in 1 Peter chapter 5 says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This is like in my era of of a John Kennedy saying, ask not what we can get, but what can I give? Can I simply ask a rhetorical question? Are we generally better at giving or are we better at getting? I think we'll always lean toward the getting side. I, I do, certainly. But giving has a power that we don't recognize sometimes. Getting sometimes seems like the answer. It can seem so important to us, but Peter reminds us here that you don't make a lasting impact in leadership by what you make. You make a lasting impact by what you give. Now, some of us have a tendency to equate money with having influence or leadership. It says in Psalm 112, verse 9, it says... He gives generously to those in need. His deeds will never be forgotten. He shall have influence and honor. Also in your notes, simply write down this little equation. Leadership equals influence. And influence comes from giving. Never forget the power of influence. It's huge. According to this passage here, and I I love it, We're not doing it for shameful gain. You're not leading your family, your church, your business for shameful gain, but it says, but eagerly. So my question is, is having money a problem in terms of being a leader, an influential leader? No. Greed is the problem. Greed is the problem. Hey, let me go off notes for a second, okay? I really have a passion to really do, really reach the world. I do, and I know many of you guys do too. And how we act regarding money can really make a difference because people are watching you, whether you want to know that or not. They're watching you. Do you remember the story of, of, of David and Bathsheba? Okay, you know, David blows it. He blows it big time. You know, he, 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 he gets with, with Bathsheba, okay, right? He has Bathsheba's husband killed. Maybe you know the story and all, all that kind of thing. And then Nathan, the prophet, confronts him. And Nathan comes up to him and tells him this story, you know, about, you know, a neighbor stealing this one little baby lamb of the neighbor's and then slaughters it so they can, you know, throw a big party. David gets so mad. He gets so mad. I'm going to do this to this guy. That's terrible. And then Nathan points his pointy finger at him and says, you are the man. You're the one. Now, this is what Nathan then says. Because of what you have done, listen, you have given great occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme. You hear that? How you and I do life, positively or negatively, impacts other people. And so when we blow it as a leader in our home, our business, our church, and so on, there are other people outside of the flock of God that are looking and saying, if he can do that, who needs it? And you know exactly what I'm talking about because you see pastors and leaders and people making bad moral choices, bad financial choices, and it makes the headlines. And it affects you and me. It affects you and me. Peter says, instead of focusing on greed, be eager to serve. Be chomping at the bit to make a difference in other people's lives. And then there's a third thing under this whole canopy of serving, and that's choose to be an example over being in control. Don't be a leader who orders people around. Have you ever hung with people like that? (laughs) We all have, haven't we? Don't be a ruler over people you're responsible for, that kind of leader, but be a good example to them. And I believe you don't make a lasting impact by telling people what to do, you make a lasting impact by showing people what to do. Would you agree that we don't need more people in this world telling us what we should do, but we need leaders at every level that are showing us how to do it. Hey, I'm not going to get political, but you plug this into any situation and you'll find it's true, whether it's politics, whether it's home, whether it's school, whether it's church, we probably need less people telling us what to do and more people showing us how to do it. That's how Jesus did it. I think Peter was spot on. I think he was observing in such powerful ways, three, three and a half years of watching Jesus in every possible situation. And now that Jesus is gone, it's gone into his brain. And now he knows how to react to different situations. Why? Not because of just the principles he learned, but because of the example that he followed. The measure of our influence is not how many people are under you in your organization or your family. The measure of our influence is how many people are following you. How many people are following in your steps? How many people are following your example? There was an old Ugaritic proverb that said, he who walks, or he he who leads, and has no one following them, is just taking a walk. And that's true. Suppose you had a meeting at your company and everybody knows that things have been really, really tight lately. And, and so the boss makes this impassioned plea. I mean, it's unbelievable. And people are crying and it's just like, oh my goodness, he, he, he's tugging at my heart. And I know things are tough and, and I'm going to tighten the belt. And, and, and it's an amazing spe- uh, speech. And he says, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number. And, and you can call me at any time because I'm with you. And we're going to get through this tough time together. Just don't call me for 20 days because I'm going to Bermuda for a vacation. What would you be thinking? That his words didn't connect with his example. You can say, do as I say, not as I do, as many times as you want to, but they're going to do as you do. You know the word example that's found here in the scripture? It is a word that originally comes from the idea of a die or a stamp. That's what the word comes from in the original language. It's something that you would use to make an impression on a document. That's what the word example is here. Do you want to leave a mark? Do you want to leave an impression? Then be an example. Be an example. You know, you know what I want for you if you have kids? I want your kids to look at you, mom and dad, and say, That's my hero. <laughs> I want to be just like them. That's leadership. That's leadership. Hey, let me give you another one, okay? The whole thing is, is, is start serving, okay? We got that. But here's another one, and it's a big one stay humble. Stay humble. Uh, Verse five and six is just really cool here. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. if you've got um, the capacity to circle some things in your notes or something, you might want to circle God and you might want to circle the phrase at the proper time. You see, humility says, God, I'm depending on you. It's saying, I need you in my life. It says, I don't have it all together yet, but I'm learning. Great influence comes when God lifts you up He's the one who does the lifting. It's God. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have God opposing me. And then the second phrase is at the proper time. Now, I'd rather change that, so would you. I'd rather change it to in my time. In my time, I, I, I want to be lifted up when it's good for me. But the passage is in my time. God will lift me up at the proper time to a place of significance, a place of influence. You know, I travel around a lot now that I, I stepped down from pastoring a couple of years ago, a year ago. And, you know, when you, when you get on a plane, it's like getting on a plane, you know, and you take off and we're getting pretty good altitude, and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves, and we think now, okay, we're on the plane, I can handle it you know, on my own, and so I decide to pop open the door of the jet, I step outside, and I feel God's finally got me up to speed, and I'll just keep going, and I'll fly myself. As soon as I step out of that plane, I drop like a rock, and I'm tempted to say, God, why did you let me down? This is this idea of stay in the jet. Stay in an attitude of humility. Live in this attitude because it's then at the proper time that God will lift you up. I think that Peter learned this from from Jesus. I'm, I'm convinced of it. Because remember, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 23, verse 12, He says, But those who think themselves great shall be disappointed and humbled. But those who humble themselves shall be exalted. I want to hear something interesting. Remember in John chapter 13, this is just hours before Jesus goes to the cross. And, and Jesus wants to do something, I think, pretty, pretty significant. Yeah, this is his last thing. You know, if, if you have last words to say, you know, maybe you're there on your deathbed or something, and your, your last words are very, very important. Jesus knows he's going to the cross. Jesus knows he's going to die. And so he's gathered everybody together. They're enjoying communion, okay, or the Passover right there. Jesus is instituting what we just celebrated a moment ago, okay? And then Jesus does something. He washes his disciples' feet Think about this. It says, when he finished washing their feet, this is John 13, starting verse 12, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Okay, it's a cultural thing. They washed their feet because their feet were dirty. Every day, they washed their feet as they went into a place. Now, here's something that's very interesting. Whose feet did Jesus wash? He washed everybody's. And you know who was in the room even then? Judas. Who in merely a few moments was going to betray Jesus to the cross... You see, being humble means stooping low. In fact, that's what the word actually means, to stoop low. With other people that maybe, generally speaking, you wouldn't put high on your list. You want to be a leader. Be a leader to everyone. Don't just single out a couple. You know, Peter's easy to lead. But this guy over here, he's hard to lead. But Jesus leaned into it. In fact, the great story is, remember? Everybody asked him, Who is it? Who's going to betray you? They didn't say, It's him. They all said, Is it me? And then Jesus said, This is so cool. It's the one. I'm going to give the morsel to. You know what that was back in the day? They, back, back then, if you really wanted to show someone you loved them, after dinner, you would take the, the lamb or whatever it was, move it off of the pot, and down below is where all the good juices are. You would take the sop, which is the bread, and you would fold it, and you'd dip it in the good stuff. And then you would motion to someone that you really wanted to say, I love you, and not have them use their hands, but you would hand feed them into their mouth. This is crazy, but here's Jesus. The example for us, it says it right in the text, not only washed Judas's feet, he said, I love you, even though you're going to go and betray me. Men and women, this is leadership par excellence, it's the best. It's the best example. In our last couple of minutes, here's the third one, just because some of you guys get really weirded out if you don't fill your (laughs) thing out. And so I will say to you especially, stop worrying. (laughs) And that's what goes in. (laughs) Because worriers don't tend to make an impact in the world either. There are a couple of reasons. You're so busy fighting imaginary dragons that you don't have any time to fight the real ones. So stop worrying. You might say, well, worry is what holds the world together. Worry is like lifting weights, and the more weights I lift, the stronger I'm going to get, and so on. And I just don't agree with that at all. They're killing us. They'll eventually destroy you physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. It's just true. So Peter invites us to do something different. Do a different exercise with your worry. Verse 7 says, casting all your anxieties, your worries, on him because he cares for you. And I want you to think in in terms of our own world right now, this idea of casting. Instead of lifting weights and lifting the burdens, the worry, I'm gonna carry it around with me, think fishing and casting it. Isn't that cool? Casting it, that's how you handle your worries. You're casting a fishing line. You're tying it to a line, you're casting out the worry. And on those times, you reel it back in, okay? Just remember, you can still cast it out again. It's just the way God intended it. Some of you love keeping your worries, and I gotta raise my hand and say, I'm one of them. But I guarantee you, they will do you in. The word cast means throw it out, but literally the word means throw it out to somebody else. That's what the word means. Cast your worries and your anxiety to somebody else. God. Why? Because he cares for you. Woo! Man, it's exciting. How can you not get fired up? Because this is where I live, and it's where you live too. And I don't even know you. God wants us to incorporate these things into our life. You may never be a pastor of a church, but you'll be a leader in your home. You may never, you know, be part of the administration of a a church body or a ministry, but you'll be a leader within your own workplace. So what do you say right now? We ask God to move us from where we are to the place of leadership He desires us to be. Would you pray with me right now? Gracious God, I thank you so very, very much for this whole passage in terms of what a leader really is and how a leader can influence and make a difference, especially in light of the fiery trials that we are desperately wanting to overcome. Oh God, use us in big ways to make a difference in this world for Jesus' sake. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.